Thanks for tuning in to the Three Strands Podcast. You're about to hear an episode from our Sunday morning worship service. To learn more about Three Strands, visit our website, threestrands.church. Canada is one of the most unchurched countries in the world. A lot of times we don't think about Canada as being one of the most unchurched countries because we usually think about going to third world countries as missionaries or we go to uh, countries that aren't able to get the Bible or, or the Bible isn't necessarily allowed into the country. Uh, Canada is a first world country that, that's able to get everything that we are normally able to get. So uh, this is one of the biggest reasons that I, I was working under a youth minister in Ohio with the, with the teens, and they, they partnered with a mission group to head up to northern Canada, where a church had planted there, similar to us, like a church plant. They had to set up and tear down every Sunday. They actually used a movie theater that uh, would allow them to come in every Sunday and uh, set up in the theater and then have their church service and tear down and and leave for the day. So as uh, teenagers and uh, me as the intern and the youth minister, we all got together and we got this mission trip planned to head up to, to Canada where we were going to be able to work with this church to uh, get the word out about their church into the community. The way we were going to do that is through a soccer camp. And we had some kids in the youth group at that time who were actually playing soccer. So they were going to be able to teach these kids how to actually play soccer and how to learn the fundamentals. So we actually headed up towards Canada and we did three days, three to four days of this soccer camp. And it, it was incredible. We got we to gotta share the gospel to kids and to their parents and connect them to the church. And on the fourth day of the mission trip, we actually got to work with a Christian college that was up there that was a little bit smaller, and they didn't have as many hands to get a lot of the work done that they needed on the campus. So we were able to actually get a lot of work done for them. But on the fifth day, our final day in Canada, uh, the church said, you should go on this incredible hike. And I was like, okay, perfect, to end our hard week of work with an, a hike sounds great. So we actually got uh, all thrown into the van, and we headed towards this hike, and it, and it was incredible. And um, we, we have a picture of it, too. And it, it was an incredible view. It was worth every step uh, to do it. But after that hike, we were just exhausted. And the bad part of it is we were actually heading back home that same night. And we were actually flying on a flight called a red-eye flight. And if you don't know what that means, it means that they fly in the middle of the night, so you usually board the plane at like 10 to 11 at night. So you're pretty exhausted. So add a week of mission trip on top of the hike, and then we get to the airport. So we, it was my job to make sure all the kids were packed up, they had all their souvenirs ready to go, make sure they didn't bring anything back that they couldn't, made sure all their liquids were small enough to get through security. If you've never flown before, you only can take a certain amount of liquid onto the plane. And you can only take a certain amount of lotion and all those, that type of stuff onto the plane. So it was my job just to make sure they're all good to go. So we got all packed up. I made sure we were good to go. We headed to the airport late at night. We get to the airport, and I go through security first to make sure we're all good, and then kids start coming through one by one by one. We're good, 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 and then one girl gets stopped, 
And the security guard brings her over with her bag, and, and he starts searching, and he's like, do you have anything in there? And she's like exhausted, so she's like, no, I don't have anything. Like, and then he, he, the security guard's like, well, you do. So he starts searching through it, and he pulls out a full-size toothpaste tube. And, uh, you know, most of us forget, like, one item. Like, that's okay. Like, I was like, yeah, that's no problem. Like, we'll move on. He's like, no, there's more. I was like, oh, okay. So he starts searching the bag, and he pulls out a full bottle of lotion. At this point, I turned to her. I'm like, are you kidding? Like, we just went over that. You can't have that. And before you go through security, they tell you, the security guards usually just yell it at you while you're going through, uh, you have to dump out your water bottle. You can't have a water bottle that's filled, just finish drinking it or dump it out. Well, he keeps searching, and he pulls out a full water bottle. And then I turned to her, I was like, what are you going to say about that? She's like, that's not mine. Yes, that is yours. Of course that's yours. It's your water bottle. So the security guard at this point just chuckled and and let us, uh, he just dumped it out. It was very nice to let her keep the water bottle. And he could have made that time very hard for us. And we could have like even potentially missed our flight if, if that caused too much issue. But the point was that we were just all exhausted and drained from that trip. And she was just exhausted, drained, wasn't thinking straight. It was, just, it was just a time of tiredness. And maybe that's where you are coming in today. Maybe you're just tired, drained from the week. Maybe at work this week, your coworkers were causing more drama or, or irritating you in a way that just drained you this week. Maybe your kids were draining. Maybe at school, drama got started and it was about you. Even, and they, there was rumors spread about you and it wasn't even true, but everybody knew it. Maybe this week has just been draining and you just don't have a lot. You're lucky to even be here today because you're so tired. Also, if your neighbor starts to sleep during this, just nudge them and they'll, hopefully they'll wake up. But if you're just tired and drained, this is the perfect place for you today. We're actually going to be diving into a story where our characters felt just like that. They were exhausted, they were drained, they had no energy. Before we get to our main story, we're going to learn why our characters were like that. Why were they drained? Why were they tired? It's important to look at that. It's called the context of the story. It's important to look at that because it will change our perspective on how this story will be viewed for the rest of our lives. So go ahead. We're going to actually jump into our first passage. Go ahead and turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. Today, we're going to be jumping uh, into the word with Jesus and the disciples. Those are going to be our main characters for today. Luke 9, 1 through 3. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey. No stuff, no bag, no bread, no money, and not even an extra shirt. So, What's happening here is Jesus is in the middle towards the end of his ministry, and he has been teaching the disciples how to spread the gospel. He's been doing miracles in front of the disciples. He's telling them all about the gospel. And he's telling them, it's time for you guys to go out two by two to different villages, countrysides, um, different country. It's, it's time for you to go spread the gospel yourselves. It's time to go do ministry. 
And and, and the interesting thing here at the end of verse 3, he tells them not to take even a walking stick, not even an extra shirt, nothing. He says he was pretty much just standing in a group and said, go off and teach the gospel to others. And I think a lot of us would stop right there. And I think a lot of us in the group would have rose our hand maybe in the back and been like, can I take at least one suitcase? Can I take at least maybe my skincare routine at least? Something. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. Take nothing with you and go out and start spreading the gospel. He wa- Why did he want that? He wanted them to trust in him. He wanted them to have faith in him that he was going to provide for their needs as they were out doing ministry. He was telling them that he will provide for their needs as they go out and do ministry. That's a key component that we're going to be touching on later in, uh, later as we go into the passage. But just remember that he, w- he wants them to have faith and trust that he will provide for their needs, their simple needs, food, clothing. That's important. So the disciples are going away and and starting to spread the gospel. Meanwhile, Jesus gets word about John the Baptist. Now, who is John the Baptist? John the Baptist is one of Jesus' closest followers. And he was around the countryside baptizing, spreading the gospel. He was one of the most influential uh, followers in that time. And he had gotten word that he had just been executed by Herod. John the Baptist was in in prison at that time, and Herod actually got tricked into killing John the Baptist. And we won't go into that too much today, but I encourage you to look into that story. But John the Baptist was executed by Herod, and this word got back to Jesus. But Herod also uh, was very concerned because he heard about this guy, just like John the Baptist, and it, as we know, it was Jesus. But this guy, was he was baptizing and he was spreading the gospel. And Herod got concerned. He's like, who is this? Because I know I killed John the Baptist. I even had his head brought to me on a platter. Like, I know John the Baptist is dead. So he was worried that John the Baptist had risen from the dead. But in fact, we know it was Jesus, and Herod, of course, started this search to see who this man was. Was this John the Baptist risen from the dead? Now, this, this news, of course, would have like, hurt Jesus' heart to, like, to find out one of your closest followers has, has died. So Jesus comes back together with the disciples after they're coming back from ministry. There's good news of of the disciples spreading the gospel. There's bad news with John the Baptist. But at the end of the day, they were just all drained from ministry. They were just all tired, exhausted, and ready to be refreshed. They were just tired and exhausted. And that's where we get to jump into our actual story today. But now you understand that they're tired and that they need to be refreshed. They are human just like us. We are able to relate to the disciples and Jesus because they are human just like us. They get tired like us. And what Jesus does is when when he gets back with the disciples, he's like, we need to go away to a remote area. We need to go away to a desolate place, and we need to be refreshed. We need to, to pray to the Father and just and be re-energized by our, 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 the Word of God and, and just to, 
to pray and think about God. And we see this many times throughout the Gospels that Jesus will go away from others and start to pray on his own to the Lord. And I remember watching a movie a couple years ago, I believe it's called War Room, and, it, and it's about um, some Christians where, where they will go into a, a place like a closet or, or, or somewhere alone, and they call that their war room, and they'll have their prayers written out, and that's where they, they say they go to war with, with the devil, and they, they start praying. And I think that's a great example to have a war room for us. Jesus had his war room. He, he went away from the crowds. He went away from others and prayed on his own. It's okay to be tired. We learned that the disciples, we learned that Jesus was tired, exhausted. It's okay to be tired, and it's okay to go and find our war room. So I encourage you today, maybe you don't have that place. Maybe you don't have a place where you can get away from others. Maybe you don't even have, spend time praying. But I encourage you today to maybe just think about where you could go. Maybe it's even in your car. Just simply sit there and start praying. But Jesus, as they were going uh, to this desolate place, go ahead and turn with me. Flip over to Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter 14. Verses 13 and 14. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them and healed the sick. So if you can picture it, the disciples of Jesus jump into this boat and they start heading towards their war room or, or their desolate place. They start heading there, and they're, they're, they're looking to just be refreshed and just spend time with God. And all of a sudden, they see this massive crowd coming from the villages. They look over there, and, and the cool thing is this story is actually recorded in all four Gospels. And we can pick parts of this story to get more and more detail. And as we're doing right now, we're looking through the different Gospels to pick different parts from the story to get more detail. But in one of the Gospels, it talks about there's 5,000 men alone, and that's not including the women and children. So we really don't know the exact number in this crowd coming towards Jesus. There could have been thousands more on top of those 5,000. But Jesus looks over and sees this crowd coming. Why was that crowd coming? Well, the crowd was coming because they knew Jesus was, Jesus was healing people. They knew he was spreading the gospel, and, and, and they were intrigued by it. They were like, what is this guy doing? Can he heal me? Maybe they were sick, and they were ready to be healed. So, of course, like in a small town, as you know, if something happens or if somebody, uh, a celebrity visits, everybody knows about it. Everybody wants to see him. So this crowd, they gather from all these villages. The word spreads quickly. They want to go see, is this Jesus? Is this the guy that everybody's been talking about? So they head there. And I'm sure as Jesus looks over, the disciples were probably like, oh, are you kidding? Look at that. That's a huge group of people. Like I was getting ready to like sit under this tree and just chill. But there's this massive group just coming towards them. And the interesting thing is, I think when we, we come to ourselves, 
when we're tired and exhausted and we're sitting at home and we're, we're on that nice comfy couch, then you get that knock on the door and it's that neighbor who's asking for that favor again and again. And you're like, you're kidding. Seriously? Why? Or you're sitting on that couch and your phone rings and it's that friend that always asks for advice, but then they never use your advice and go against exactly what you say. You're already tired and, and you don't even want to put up with that. And, and Jesus sees these people coming. He could have said, guys, we're, we're going to pray to the Father right now. All of you need to leave. He could have said that, but he doesn't. At the end of that verse, we see that he had compassion in the moment of tiredness. And if you're taking notes, have compassion in the moment of tiredness. They're all exhausted. They're tired. But he has compassion on them. He instead invites them over to where they are. Why does he have compassion on them? Because he realizes that their souls are more important than him being tired. And I think it's easy for us to forget that when we're exhausted. It's easy to forget that those other people that start bothering us when we're tired, we start to forget that they're a soul that God wants saved. Jesus had compassion in the moment of tiredness. It's a great example for us to use when, when you don't even feel like answering the phone. Maybe you don't even feel like answering the door and you start thinking, I'm going to have compassion on those people later. I'm going to have compassion when I feel like it, when I'm re-energized after this nap. But Jesus is showing us, no, you shouldn't, do, you shouldn't have compassion later. You should have compassion in the moment of tiredness. When you're exhausted, if Jesus does it, we should reenact that. We should be more like him. And maybe that will even show the person who's receiving that compassion will even see Jesus through you because you're choosing to show compassion to them even though you're tired and exhausted and drained. Just like Jesus. Jesus has compassion on these people, and he, he actually gets up on the hill, and he starts preaching for the whole day. He's already tired. The disciples are tired, and he gets up and starts preaching and teaching about the gospel. He's talking to them the whole day, and it's going by. It's going great. It's going great, and then the disciples start to think, oh, you know what? It's, uh, it's getting late, you know? we could probably send these people out to the other villages around here because there is no way we're going to feed all these people. So, perfect. We got a plan together. We'll, we'll go up to Jesus and tell him, hey, these people need to go out to the local villages and they need to go buy food so they can eat. Like, obviously, everybody has to eat. So, let's just let's go up to Jesus and tell, tell him, like, hey, send these people away. We'll get some time to relax. They could get some food, and it's perfect. But see, Jesus already had a different idea. Jesus already had a different plan, what he was going to do instead. See, the disciples already started to put Jesus in a box here. 
They've already seen Jesus do miracles. They've already seen Jesus uh, spread the gospel in many different forms, and yet they still doubt that a little thing like food is even possible for him to take care of. So it's interesting. Turn with me to John. John chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was, teaching, or he was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them all. There's no way we would be able to feed all these people. So Jesus is turning to Philip, one of the disciples, and he's, he's as we see in the passage, He's testing Philip to see if he's going to show faith that Jesus could even do this. And Philip is very realistic, and he's like, well, there's no way. So if we all work for a a few months and put all that money together, then we would have enough money to pay for all the food for all these people, but they would only just get a little tiny bit. And that's if we all work for just a long period of time for this one meal. So as you see, again, they're putting Jesus back in that box that, like, there's no way that we can feed these people. So it it would take months to get it. It would take months to get this food. And as they were talking about this, Andrew, one of the other disciples, brings this boy up. And this boy has a small lunch, probably packed by his mother's, Shout out to Mother's Day. So, um, he, he brought this small lunch up, two fish in it, and five loaves of bread. And it's, what's interesting about this is that this meal would have been, uh, it would have been coordinated with a poor family in that century. This would have been a poor family meal, basically. Um, so th- this mom probably packed the boy this lunch for him to just enjoy for himself. It wasn't really made for a lot of people. It was just a very small meal. And what's more interesting is that the boy was, was offering to bring it to the disciples. Now, he probably knew, like, this isn't going to feed all these people, but he's still willing to offer it. He could have went and sat under a tree while Jesus was preaching and just ate it himself. He could have hid it and just like told everybody, I don't have any food. He didn't didn't even like hesitate. He, He brought it to the disciples and said, hey, this is what I have. So I don't know if you're able to use it. And Jesus is over here probably thinking, oh yeah, I'm gonna use it. So and he's go ahead and use it. Like have it. And actually, Jesus takes it. Turn with me to Mark chapter 6, verses 41 and 42. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up to heaven, and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. So there's a lot to unpack there. The first thing I want to note is that Jesus stopped after he got the fish and the bread. He stopped right what he was doing, and he thanked God for the food. 
See, he could have just jumped into this miracle, but instead he paused and he remembered who was even giving him the authority to do this was his father, God. And I think this would be a good reminder for us today, even if you don't get anything out of today, that we need to think about and pray and thank God for the food that we get. It's a simple thing. The food that sits on your table, this is a good reminder that we should pray before we eat. We should thank him for us. It's important for us to remember where that food even came from. And and diving into that middle of the passage here, Jesus starts breaking the bread and and, and dividing up the fish and and filling baskets to give to the disciples. See, here's here's the cool thing. Jesus could have just snapped his finger and... Food could have just appeared in these people's pockets. Chick-fil-A could have appeared in their, their bags. Like, he could have done whatever he wanted. But it was interesting because Jesus had the disciples hand out the food. Who doubted Jesus? Oh, that was the disciples. So Jesus gave these baskets to the disciples, and they, they started passing it out. And I'm sure they started thinking as they were passing it out, wow, we're really not running out. What's the problem here? I thought we only had five loaves, two fish. Like, how are we not running out here? And, and so they keep handing it out, handing it out, and I'm sure their mindset started to change, like, oh, I kind of understand what Jesus is doing here. He, he's, like, providing this food for everybody. But in the back of their head, were they still thinking, is this still going to be enough food? Is this still going to be enough food to feed all these people? Is Jesus really going to be able to give food to everybody? We were in Haiti a couple years ago. Uh, This was one of my last trips to Haiti on a mission trip. I was still in high school at this point. And we were going out to villages and handing out food. We would go to the the mission and we would pack the food. And then we would go out to these villages and and hand out food to the families. It was an incredible experience. and And I pray that all of you are able to go on a mission trip one day. But as we were going out, we were handing food to each each family. And every family got it. We were we went particularly uh, this one day to the fishing village. This is one of the poorest villages I've ever, or we ever went to in Haiti. And they survived based on the lake. And if the fishing was bad, they wouldn't eat. And if the fishing was good, they would eat and sell the rest to try to survive for those days. They couldn't catch any. Uh, unfortunately, that lake is raising, or rising every year, and they're not able to get... Um, as much as they used to. And because it's rising, they live right by the lake and they, they build these houses out of rocks, mud, sticks, and they, they, they build it right on the lake so they don't have to move their heavy boats like very far. And unfortunately, that lake keeps rising and they have to move their homes. But see, these homes are nothing like ours. They're, like I said, they're just rocks and sticks. They have to spend a lot of time building these and then they have to redo it just a couple months later because the, the lake is getting too high. So these people were, were struggling, and we were able to get to this village this particular day and, and start handing out food to all the people in there. And everybody got food, and, and we, we got loaded back up into the truck. And I, I remember looking over, and there was a girl who came out, a, a young, young girl came out of the, 
one of the homes, and, and she started a little fire on a little fire pit, and she had a little can, like a little tin can, and she put some of the rice that we had given her family, and she started cooking it right there. And it started to get me thinking, did she have any idea that God was going to provide for her need in that way? Did she have any idea that, she, that God was going to send people from Illinois all the way to Haiti to a mission compound to pack food and then bring it to her village that day? Did she have any idea how God was going to provide for her need that day? No. We don't necessarily know how God is going to provide for our needs. She had no idea that we were going to come to that village that day and, get, and provide for her needs. God, God sent us to provide for her needs that day. And as Jesus was giving these baskets to the disciples, um, they, they kept handing it out, handing it out. They realized that the food was not running out. See, God was providing, God was providing for their needs in the moment. See, God, Jesus could have just gave them groceries for, you know, months and months and months, but he didn't do that. We, we read at the end of the verse, they ate as much as they want, as much as they wanted. Jesus provided for what they needed in the moment. Not in the future, just right now. What they needed. He knew what they needed. He knew that the gospel was more important than wasting time to send them to a different village to get food that they probably couldn't even afford. He wanted them to stay here and learn more from him. He knew that bread, that fish was not going to maintain their life. The gospel was going to. And in fact, the, the disciples, they get to everybody and they bring the baskets up and there's 12 left over baskets full. 12 baskets full. Remember, we started with two fish and five loaves of bread. Now we have 12 baskets full. The disciples had no idea. They couldn't even imagine how Jesus was going to provide for everybody's need in the moment. And a lot of times in our lives, when we don't get what we want or what we think we need, it's easy to turn away from God. It's easy to, to run the opposite direction. Because you, you think you may need that job. You may think you need that relationship. You may think you need more kids. Most of you said no to that. But, <laughs> but you, you may need, you, you may think you need those things. But what is God's definition of what you actually need? You need the gospel. You need Jesus. You need a relationship with him. Jesus provided for what they needed in the moment. In this world today, it's so easy to get caught up in what we want. It's easy to walk out these doors today and go back 
to wanting things. And when we don't get those, we might not be back next week because we didn't get what we wanted. We're so focused on the world telling us what we want rather than what God is telling us we need. So I pray today that you're, you're encouraged by a couple key points. That if you don't have that place where you can go after a service or, or, or when you're at home, your war room, if you don't have that place, think about that. See if you can come up with a place. And I'm actually going to be leaving each of you as you walk out. Now, I bought these on Amazon, thought they were going to be a lot bigger. So I do have to, do have to put a choking hazard warning on here for these because I didn't think they were choking worthy. But I bought, I bought everybody a fish here, a very small fish. <laughs> so um, what I want you to do with this, though, is a- as you're leaving today, if you don't have that place, if you don't have that, that safe space where you can go, I encourage you to find it, and then I want you to put this fish there. And the reason for it is when you're tired and exhausted and you just need to be refreshed by the word, that you are able to open the Bible, read through it, and and look at that fish and be reminded that Jesus even went away from others to pray and be refreshed. If Jesus does it, then we should definitely do it. He, he went away from the disciples. He went away to be with the Father. If you don't do that, I encourage you to do that. And then maybe you need to put your fish in a place where, where you're, you relax. You, you, you're re-energizing. It might, it might be your couch. You might need to put your fish in there. Because a lot of times you do get interrupted when you're trying to be refreshed. And you do get interrupted. And then put the fish there so then when you do get interrupted, that fish reminds you, I need to have compassion in the moment of tiredness. Jesus had compassion in the moment of tiredness. Simply put that fish there. And then for that last one. Maybe you just need to put it by your front door. Or maybe by your bed where next week you didn't get what you want this upcoming week. You thought you should have got that promotion this week. You thought your friends should be nicer to you this week. You thought you should have got a better grade on that test. Maybe you just need to put that fish where you're going to know you're going to see it. Just be reminded that God's going to provide for what you need, not necessarily what you want. Now, the key to that, the key to all of those, is to have a relationship with Him. See, He is ready for a relationship with you, His hand is already reaching for yours. I encourage you today, if you've never had a relationship with him, or maybe you've chosen to walk away, I would encourage you to just pray about that and even find Kenny or, or Dave or I, and we'd be happy to talk with you about that. But I encourage you today, just make sure you pick up your fish to remember what Jesus does 
to, to remember Jesus' example for each and every one of us. Because he is the only way to eternal life with him. It's because God sent his only son to die on the cross that we can spend eternal life with him. And I don't want you to miss out on that relationship. I don't want you to miss out on that. I'm going to pray for us as the band comes back. Dear Lord, I just want to thank you for this time we're able to dive into your word and just think about how you, you, you provided so much for us already. You provided us a way to get here today. You provided us food in the back today. You provided for what we needed today. We might not have even realized it, but you have. And I pray as everybody goes out this week that they go find their war room. They show compassion in the moment of tiredness. And they remember that you provide for what we need. Amen. Thanks again for listening in on the Three Strands podcast. If you've never visited us in person, we'd love to meet you face to face. We gather every Sunday, 11 a.m. at the McCreary County Park Building. We hope to see you soon.